podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to Brand New TAT Pod. Today, we have something very different. We've got a transfer reaction uh, podcast for you guys. We have a special guest um, on the podcast from teams like Brighton. And um, essentially, what we're going to do is talk all things Alexis McAllister, all the updates that we've had today. And um, yeah, just give you guys a bit of an insight on the player that uh, we are going to be getting. Um, from somebody who's watched him week in, week out as well. But first of all, I'll, I'll start by introducing Mike. How are you, mate? You're back on the pod again. You're on a roll now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm becoming a regular at this point, Leo. Long may it continue. I've got a better uh, track record than uh, Naby and Ox, so, you know. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> listen, mate, you know, I'll touch right. like over Naby Kai, so you need to be able yeah, to yeah. Um, And then we have our guest, which is uh, Tom Phillips from Teams Like Brighton Podcast. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, I mean, look, there's been a lot of, um, oh, this is taking forever kind of thing on, on social media. And it's still, you know, uh, we just had a brief chat off air and you're pro- I'm probably going to get you to repeat what you said to me just a little bit later on. Uh, but as far as we're concerned, you know, this is over the line and that's what we've been told from very reliable people. So that's what we're going to run with uh, from our end, at least. And um, yeah, like I say, we're all happy about it. Um, you know, it's a player that we've been told about for a while now and uh, it's a player that I'm pretty sure 99.9% of Liverpool supporters are all absolutely buzzing for. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at. But let me get in some comments before we get stuck into it. Footy boy, big up yourself, mate. Hamza, how are you doing? Uh, Mac 10, hello, Ben, Mac and Tom. Big up TAT, hello, Hamza and hello... Saying hello to each other, lovely <laughs> stuff. You love to see that, don't you? Sometimes really? in comments, you see people arguing with each other and fighting back and forth. Um, but let's get straight into it. Let's get the updates that we had today straight off the bat before I come to you. Um, we got this, aka so Tom knows the Paul Joyce dagger. This is um, Paul Joyce put out an article, Liverpool aiming to sign Brighton's Alexis McAllister this week. This was at quarter to ten, and then Fabricio Romano, later on at 11 o'clock, you know, he, he tweeted those magic words. Here we go. Full agreement completed on the contract. Understand it will be valid until 2028. Five-year deal. Liverpool will pay the buyout clause in the next days, way less than the reported 60 million fee. Medical tests in 24 to 48 hours. Done, he says. Um, so, yeah, straight off the bat, we'll go with Mike, first of all, because, you know, we... we we, we need to get our thoughts before we go to the expert, of course. Um, how are you feeling about this, mate? I mean, this is a player it feels like we've spoken about on podcasts now for a long, long time. 
it seems like it's edging closer and closer and closer, and it's just a matter of a couple of formalities the club announced. Yeah. How, how do you feel? Well, it's, uh, we were saying off air about you know how we're all scarred by Nabil Fakir, right? And uh, we we thought that was all through, and we were getting ready to see the interviews, you know, by the t-shirts. Uh, thankfully, I don't think McAllister has such an injury track record, so I'm not concerned about the medical. It is just dying and out. Until he joins Liverpool, there. at least, then he will get injured. Yeah. I hope you know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the moment he gets in touch with our medical department, you know, you know, three games a season, but yeah. it's all right. Um, no, I'm very excited. Like, I, obviously, Tom's going to be able to tell us a lot more, but from the outside looking in, he seems like a quality player. He seems like a player that's almost undervalued by parts of the Prem. So. Yeah, I'm just, I'm very, very excited. And I'm actually really excited to pick Tom's brain because I've got a million, million and one questions for you, mate, to be honest. I look forward goes. to hearing them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tom, kick us off, mate. Um, obviously, Brighton fan, lifelong, it sounds like, from what you're telling us earlier about some of your experiences. And um, you were talking about Europa League just briefly off here. Um, this is a player that you've seen sort of develop from a, a boy to a man kind of thing. You know, you signed him and loaned him out twice, I believe. <laughs> Um, yes, to two different clubs in Argentina. Um, so if it is to all go ahead, mate, and he does leave the club, what sort of player are, are Brighton losing here? Uh, easily part of our spine, part of our spine for us. He's been so, so crucial to us in terms of how Deserby plays. I'm sure if some have been able to enjoy the highlights and some of the passages on social media. Um, under us, guided by the Italian, you see that really you get glimpses of how crucial the, that midfield is. And the duo of Moises Caicedo, like that ball winning fielder, and then Alexis McAllister kind of carrying that ball forward, those attacks from from the centre. You could see that how instrumental and they just work so well. And Deserbi's made it no secret in the past that we're expecting to see both. Caicedo and McAllister go, which is heartbreaking. But for many Brighton fans, we kind of expected it during the World Cup, even before it, when we got that um, sort of new contract, because we just felt like that was just business from Tony Bloom and Paul Barr's end. But look, you guys are getting one hell of a player, I think, and someone that I think is really going to be a piece to really solve the the puzzle and the dilemma that is Liverpool's midfield at the moment if we if we go by what we've seen uh, this season over at Anfield yeah. no 100% and it is a sign in which is definitely needed um, you know you've hit the nail on the head mate the midfield's just not really been existent at all um, and we look at teams like Brighton who of course at the start of the season I don't think anybody had them down to finish in the top did you finish fifth in the end? We Sixth. finished. We Sixth. finished. Yeah, that's, that's that's right. I don't know which <laughs> it was. I looked at the league table in a long, long time. But um, yeah, no, you obviously finished sixth. Um, so nobody had them down for that. And it's like when you look at a team like Brighton, and obviously, you know, I say this with massive respect because you've done incredible over the last two seasons. But it's like, how can Brighton have a midfield that is like on a different level to ours? It makes no sense. And of course, we were speaking about your recruitment team, and obviously, it's, it's down to them and the job that they've done. Um, doing the hard work for teams like us, you know, sort of lazy teams that would just, oh, you know, Brighton will get the next big thing. We'll go and slap some money down and take it from them. But um, yeah, it's crazy that you've got that duo, which um, pretty much, I think, at least Caicedo, McAllister, maybe not so much so, but m those two potentially walk into pretty much the majority of um, Premier League clubs, or maybe even McAllister as well. But I feel like more teams are probably crying out for a Caicedo nowadays. Um but yeah, um, just before we we go back to Mike, you, you touched on it just then. He signed a, a new deal, didn't he, before the World Cup? And obviously that's the deal that has all these sort of 
clauses in and the release clause. And of course, today, Twitter, especially on our end, has kind of blown up at the, the fact that people have now found out that the clause is 45 million or less than. Um, do you just want to briefly touch on what you were telling us off air and how there's still probably going to be other clauses added into that to make this deal go ahead? Yeah, of course. Um, so I think boy, what has to be clear on this is that there, there isn't particularly a release clause per se that you know you and I are casually used to whenever we play FIFA and Manad or in previous transfer stories. What we have, uh, David Ornstein pre-reported on this a while back at The Athletic, is that there is a release mechanism in place. Uh, from my understanding, the contract negotiations went ahead just before the World Cup. McAllister made it clear that he would like some sort of a release clause in place so that he could go to uh, of a high stature and was the line I, I, I was delivered anyway. And the club were very reluctant. Bloom and Barber don't like to put a straight fee in. There has to be something else in place just so that there is almost a kind of like an interest in, in the transfer going forward. So there are quite a few clauses in place. They are complex. They're not as simple as, you know, as we, we discussed in the past, like about appearance fees or winning trophies. That they, they are very much a mechanism. Tony Bloom is a mathematician. He loves his stats. He loves his data. That's driven our recruitment in the past. So I understand from it, yes, the your 40 to £45 million pounds is sort of like the flat fee to start these negotiations. And I believe up to four clubs have actually tried to meet that. The only team that McAllister is actually interested in joining is Liverpool. So I think that's the, why the only reason why Liverpool have been in this for so long. He's made it very clear in the past. His dad, Carlos McAllister, who um, played over at Argentinos Juniors and Boca Juniors as well, um, back in his playing days, yeah. there was all, only ever been that one discussion, that one team, and that was Paul. Can I ask you a question? Sorry, man. Just That's why okay. do you why do you why do you think Liverpool was the choice? Because from yeah, outside looking in, I've seen you know there, there's supposedly been interest from a lot of different clubs. There's been interest from you know way back in December there was links to Tottenham. There's been links to United, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, abroad to Spain. You know, I say Tottenham. Ben Ben probably chuckles under his breath, but like... I was laughing at United to be fair because we're still at the game. <laughs> but carry on. Don't worry, but, um, I'm off at Tottenham. <laughs> Mate, listen, my mum supports Tottenham, trust me. I, I've seen enough disappointment in this household. Um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, so what, why, do you, why do you think that Liverpool was the chosen destination? Do you think that is his farthest thinking this is a stepping stone? Because I'm not discrediting my own club when I say that, but I've seen enough players from South America, including, you know, Suarez, very close to my heart, and not necessarily use Liverpool as a stepping stone, but not see Liverpool as their final destination. They see Madrid and Barcelona and go, that's where I want to be. Do you think McAllister is one of them or do you think McAllister wants to see the Premier League as his main area? Bit of a loaded question, but... It, 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 it is, but I, I, <laughs> the simple answer to that is that that's not McAllister's thinking at all. I think that's something that is definitely within his team, but he's very much a guy who is dedicated to the club that the club that he plays for right now. There were talks of him leaving in January, but he, he quashed those very quickly saying, you know, Brighton have done so much for me. I really appreciate them. I'm, I don't want to finish as I am right now. I want really push on. And behind closed doors, I think he made it clear that he wanted to make sure this club gets Europe. Deserby mm. was very passionate and he was very much... I think if, if Potter was the manager in January, McAllister would have gone. 
I, I genuinely really? believe that. Yeah, genuinely believe that. Deserby is someone that possibly laid the foundation of how this club has been playing. Deserby is that guy that's got, got that mental and that, that mental capacity to really just put that arm around the shoulder and just say, push on, I believe in you. And you could just look at the case study, what he's done with Solly March. He's just unleashed an absolute animal in him. And if it wasn't for his injury, he would be in the England squad right now. And I know I say that through rose-tinted glasses, but look, I digress. It's a fair um, yeah, McAllister is someone that wants to be somewhere for long term. And he's done that a fair bit for Brighton. Yes, he spent the first year, 18 months on loan, but he had to for work permit reasons. Of course. S- since then, he's been very committed to us. He's, you know, he's loved by the fans. I mean, the guy stops outside the training ground and just shows off his World Cup medal. He has it in his glove that. compartment That's in his well. car, for God's sake. Um, I mean, I'm doing the same, yeah. to be fair, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think many of us would. Um, he's the only World Cup winner we've ever had in the club's history. And wow. I believe he's your sixth, if memory serves me right, for my very, very quick brief research this morning <laughs> um but i think the main thing he wanted was he wanted to play he wanted to play his kind of way and he wanted a style to suit that it worked under potter it worked under deserby and really when i look at the options that he had liverpool made the most sense you know you've got an mm-hmm. aging midfield you're you've got gaps in there that he can really fill very very quickly and with ease and I don't think he'll be a stranger to the gig and press and style that Klopp likes to deploy. I don't think it's going to be a very hard time to gel. I think he's going to fit in very quickly. And the fact that you've got this done so early on with a full preseason under his belt, you know, he, come that first match, he's going to be looking like as if he's been there for, you know, five years. Yeah. Tom, can I ask you about that? Because um, that was one of my questions a bit further down the line. I saw a couple of Brighton fans um, today talking about him. A couple of people said that there was a little bit of a settling in period when he did finally get to be able to play for you guys. You know, he needed a bit more. I, I think they were getting at maybe some support from within the club, like teammates and just kind of like maybe man managed a bit. So from what you're saying now, do you think that's not going to be a problem for us? He's sort of at that phase in his career where he could go to a, a team like Liverpool or Man City and just sort of, okay, I'm here now. I've got the shirt. I'm going to start games and everything will be fine. Or yeah, like you just said, do you think there could still be a bit of a, a settling in period? Because we have seen, we've made big signings before and Klopp hasn't always just, okay, now go and play. Look, the, I think the main thing you really need to take into account is that, yeah, there had to be a bit of a brief settling period, but this guy's from Argentina. He's managed to get himself back over to England and then all of a sudden lockdown happens. So mm. there were a lot of in- environmental factors beyond his control that really hampered that development. I wouldn't say now, I mean, you look back on it, like when he made his debut, I believe he was, he was 21, 22, which is very young. Now that he's, he's matured, he's 24 years old, he is a commanding presence in the dressing room. So his mentality and sort of his mental attributes have gone from down here and they've climbed up to there and it's there's solid foundation there. And that's down to the strong characters he's had under Potter. He's down to strong characters he's had under Deserby. And I think that he's now kind of like boarding himself up and he's kind of understood the demand of not just Premier League football, but England altogether. It's a, it's a culture shock for him, even though that he's got family re- relations up in Scotland. I don't think he's really had that kind of like big sense of commuting up to yeah. Glasgow every, every now and then. <laughs> yeah, of course. So he's... He's now familiar with the atmosphere. Now he, he, he 
Argentina international. He was regular in the World Cup. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out was the fact that the one game that he didn't play, they lost. He was and Argentine midfield was anonymous that match as well. I hasten to add, this is a guy that will fit in very quickly. Um, and you know, this is a guy that's probably going to be sung the praises from Adam Lallana, a guy who actually was his mentor at the club as well because they wanted to play both a similar role and Lalana just got te- teach him and McAllister got told to learn from Lalana because you know Lalana's Adam Lalana. I don't I don't need to tell you guys so you, you know, yeah. know about Lalana yeah, more than no, I do really. Tom, I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this. So when I think of Adam Lalana, for example, you talk about mentor and the one thing about Adam Lalana that in his final year, specifically with Liverpool, he played in three different positions. He played as a six and an eight and a ten. Uh, now, the reason for that was very much he was filling slots. Uh, now, with McAllister, I've seen a lot of talk about this uh, where, okay, you can play as a six, you can play an eight, play as an eight, play as, play as a ten. I don't see him as a ten. I see him as more of an eight, even though I do think we'll probably give him the number ten shirt. For you, in terms of what you've seen at Brighton, especially over the last 12 months, how does he fare in each of the roles? How does he fare in a six? How does he fare in an eight? How does he fare in a ten? And in your mindset, when you look at this Liverpool side, where do you think he'd be best suited to play for us? Uh, I'll, I'll answer that last question, and it's very simple. He he, he is a number eight, I think, in that Jurgen Klopp um, midfield three. I think it's important to know what what what, he, what is Alexis McAllister's style of play. He's very much an attacking-minded midfielder. When he was at Argentina's juniors, he was a more of a number ten. He played an attacking midfield role for that club, and then when he had another loan spell over at Boca Juniors, he was played deployed more on the left wing and played in sort of like a more playmaker role. So he had very much attacking attributes there that was no secret. When Boca got told that um, his loan spell would be cut short early because he qualified for a work permit, fans were devastated. And I don't, from memory, they didn't go on to, they went on for a pretty poor run of form as well because of the influence that he had. Because he controlled in the field and in the centre whenever he got deployed in the middle and he was very influential on the wing as well. When he came to us, Potter was tinkering. And I think that's another thing as well that came into why he took so long to settle in with us is the fact that Potter was still trying to find some momentum and some understanding in terms of the style of play we really wanted to start playing. So he was kind of in that transition period, that transition season under Potter, which didn't help matters. But now after seeing him, when you see him line up, and it really annoys me when sites like, transfer marks put him down as a defensive midfielder he's not <laughs> because when you see him play you know he's not like that he sits in that two in the typical four two three one formation yes but when he gets that ball he is going to be pushing forward he's going to be looking mm-hmm. for that pass mm-hmm. down the channels he's going to be looking to support your wingers he's going to be looking to create an opening for himself so that there's a space to draw the defenders out so that there's an opening there i think that that's something that Salah is going to really, really appreciate more than anything because he sometimes gets double teamed or even triple teamed. But if McAllister is coming into that little pocket of space and draws out one of those defenders, Salah all of a sudden is going to have a much easier shift. And I think we could actually see a re- another really, really good season from the Egyptian because of what McAllister does off mm-hmm. the ball. In terms of the six, yes, he can play there and he can be all right. I wouldn't say that that's something that Klopp would want to put in unless, you know, Fabinho's got another bad injury and 
well, hopefully we'll sign someone. So, like, let's not even... Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you're back up to Fabinho, hopefully, that you sign as well. Again, another piece of the jigsaw that you need to fill in. Um, doesn't get a nasty injury or suspension either. He will be your number eight. I, I see him, for Liverpool fans that don't really understand what McAllister's is all about, I see him in um, Oxlade-Chamberlain's first season at Liverpool when he was just something else for me i thought he was fantastic and if it wasn't for that knee injury against city in the champions league yeah mate yeah you know we, no, we won't we won't be talking about you know oxley chamberlain getting released he's gonna he'll be there for another five years sadly mm. but that's that's kind of like the light for light um comparison that i can give you as liverpool fans he's got a great eye for goal he's got a good eye for for the balls that need to be pings he, up to the opposite channels. To well, this question wings. here. Oh, great question. Um, I wouldn't say so. I think we could. I, I like to see potentially McAllister and Tiago playing together. Um, Tiago is very much more of a, I would see, as a playmaker, more of that number ten role that we talk about. Whereas McAllister's a, he's a box to box midfielder in in layman's terms here. It's it's hard for me to really kind of like describe it. All I, have to I feel say like he little... just he just kind of keeps things ticking over. Like he, he just does the basics, but he does the yeah. basics incredibly, yeah. incredibly well. Yeah, I'm Thiago's sure many of your viewers here will talk about if you watch that Argentina Saudi Arabia match. Yeah, the the first thing that I always thought is that midfield is anonymous. They had two men in that midfield, and they were crowded every single time. It just wasn't working out for them. And then when you watch them again in the other two group stage matches, they were f- formidable. They were phenomenal. You really saw the glimpses of why they were the favourites and the eventual winners. The difference to that is Alexis McAllister, because whenever there is a job that needs to be done and no one else can do it, McAllister's got you covered for it. Whether that's making those channel runs, whether that's making those passes, or if it's sweeping and helping out in that midfield, because what your number six is... Uh, has uh, gone for a tackle and is now left that open space up. He will back you up on that. And I think that's what Klopp sees. And I think that's what Liverpool can expect from McAllister. Okay. Ben, do you have a next question? Yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, before we carry on, guys, there is 39 of you in here right now. And let's just get a quick like check. We may need to get some more likes, guys. Um, (laughs) We are currently on... 17 so that means pretty much more than half of you guys haven't liked it please smash a like guys this is top top cock if tom wasn't on here me and mike would be giving you a very very basic idea of what McAllister will bring us because we've both seen him i've seen McAllister a few times in person i was at the amex when you knocked us out the cup this season um i was at the two all draw last season when i thought you know what half time we're gonna batter you uh you know, we get a couple of players go off and all of a sudden you get back in the game. I've seen McAllister in, in the flesh and, you know, he was a brilliant player and I've always thought that. But if if Tom wasn't on here, we wouldn't be able to give you all this insight, guys. So please make sure you smash the like button uh, before we continue. Um, but Mike, I'm just going to ask you a question, mate, before we go back to Tom. Give Tom a little bit of a, a breather. breather. <laughs> um, yeah, after hearing all this stuff, mate, about his ability and how he is as a, a, a person and as a player, you know, of course there might be a bit of a flaw in that price tag that we've seen. There's obviously going to be some sort of add-ons you'd think and incentives and all of that kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, how excited are you now, mate, to see this guy in action, you know, for the first time in pre-season in a Liverpool shirt? You know, is this something that's really getting you excited for the season ahead? 
Yeah, no, massively. I think I think what's what's interesting about what Tom said there, just in terms of like perception wise, I mean, listen, that I'm never gonna pretend I have more knowledge than I do, which unfortunately contradicts what a lot of people do on Twitter. Uh when I when I see McAllister, you know, I <laughs> uh, when I see McAllister, you know, when I've seen him play, I think he's very versatile. I do think he's technically very good. I think, you know, I talk about but um his composure on the ball, he's incredibly press resistant as well. And I'm sure obviously Tom can vouch for that. I think what's interesting there is when you speak about his best position, you mention how you see him You see him as an ace. You see him probably on the right side of the three, maybe the left, but you see him as an ace. I assume you said right side of the three because you're talking about freeing up Salah, which the reason I find that interesting is because when you look at the conversation that's taken place around him, a lot of people speak of him as a 10, not just because of the shirt number that you might get, but they speak of him as a 10. They compare him to other 10s. Now, what I worry about, in a sense, is the fickle side of any fan base will jump on this, uh, Liverpool fans specifically. And I'm worried that potentially those who don't know McAllister very well may have the wrong uh, aspirations for him. So for me, when I look at McAllister, and Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, I see a player that can create chances, but he is effective in the final third, but not necessarily the player that I'm going to be expecting to get 10 goals, 10 assists every season unless it's from the penalties. I know that he's got, I know he scored goals for you this season, but I've looked at his stats. Half of them are from pens. All right. And there's nothing not wrong with that. He's a great penalty taker. God knows we could have done without this. He'll season. be fighting with Mo Salah for that spot. I tell you that much. Are you sure? I don't know, man. No, no, <laughs> Did no, you no. see After the pens this season? Penalties this season. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's going to come in and he's like, you know what? I can take him better than this guy. But... Well, exactly. So my, 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 my query is, I suppose, not even query. My, my worry is, is that if he doesn't necessarily match the, the stats, uh, you know, stats tell a story, but, you know, of like maybe an Odegaard or a Bruno after a season or two, people have the wrong perception of him. And then um, they'll be like, oh, maybe he didn't, you know, is, is he really successful if he doesn't get this? Um, so, Tom, I suppose what I'm trying to sort of get to is can you flesh out more what we should expect from him as an eight? So never mind the 10, never mind the six, but what should we really expect from him as an eight? Sort of Brit, not, you know, focus us up on what we should expect, ignoring what people are running narrative-wise on Twitter and socials. Yeah, sure. And I actually just been reading the comments and one of the guys on there probably said it a bit spot on there. He's a more of a technically gifted Henderson. Um, that, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, boy, that's, that's a trigger word in this fan base. <laughs> I know. I know it's a trigger word. I know it's a trigger word. Um, but look, I think, that's, I think that's the best way I could really explain it in like layman's terms. But yeah, there we there go. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, that's kind of like the way I was going about it. Look, he's... He is a number eight. He's a box-to-box midfield. You, look, if if a team's counter-attacking against you from a corner kick, I guarantee you the first person that's going to start sprinting isn't going to be Van Dijk, isn't going to be Salah, it's going to be McAllister, and he's going to be closing in on that player. He's going to be a guy that makes sure that the defence support is whenever, you, you know, you've been pushed into your final third and, you know, the team the opposition are going to be attacking from the left or for the right. He's going to be there dictating from the midfield, putting them in the positions. He's not afraid to shout at people as well. He's not afraid to have a go at his own, own teammates. He's not afraid to defend himself either. So it'll be really interesting to see what um, what what's going to happen in that midfield. I think he's he's a character for sure. He's definitely he's going to be a voice that's going to be heard in that dressing room. And he's not afraid to tell people where they're in the wrong or not. That's mm. something that I've noticed particularly towards the end of this season when things weren't going right for us him and Pascal Gross were the first people to like have a go at go at other people besides Lewis Dunk Dunk's the first one to go as the captain and then after that it's Gross and uh, McAllister because they've got the standard there and I think that's something that you're going to expect with McAllister he knows the standard he knows what's at stake 
and he knows exactly what the what the expectation is and that's going to be top four at the absolute minimum for Liverpool next mm. season and that's something that that's going to be instilled in him from day one if you know if reports are correct that the 30 minute phone call with Jurgen Klopp influenced him <laughs> to, to secure these going to be there I'll tell you right now that the conversation is going to be I want Champions League and McAllister would have just said and you'll get it with me because mm. you know he's he's someone that's going to be he's an athlete he's not I wouldn't say you, if you're expecting someone to be of South American flair to be that number 10, I, I'm telling you right now, he's not that. What I am saying is that he's attacking minded. He will contribute on those attacks. He will produce moments of absolute pure brilliance. To this day, I know that we got goal of the season within CISO, but the fact that Inwepu's uh, shoelace was offside against Leicester City, that goal was just absolutely sensational. Yeah, I've never yeah. I've never jumped over seats before in my life, but I did when that <laughs> when I saw that go in. Cool. What a goal. Um, can I sorry so, go for it. No, no, I was gonna say about um just you you alluded to it there, the South American stuff. I think that's always something that we've looked at when we make signings. You know, you kinda see, okay, we've got this player, we've got this group of players who can we add to it. So recently obviously we've got Gakpo who is very close to Virgil van Dyke. We've brought in a few South Americans. And I just feel like we've we've spoken about the settling in period and all of that stuff. I feel like he's just going to be fine here because we've got Allison, we've got Fabinho, we've got Nunes, we've got Luis Diaz. We've even got, you know, Thiago, who's obviously Spanish speaker. And by the way, McAllister's English is absolutely brilliant anyway. So it's not really a problem as for Darwin Nunes, for example. He's come in, doesn't speak a word of English, still doesn't, bless him. Um, but <laughs> yeah, McAllister, I, I, you know, there's not that sort of stepping stone for him. He's just going to be able to, okay, Gaffer, what do you want from me? And sort of kick on and in terms of like that sort of friendship group, I have no doubts that he's just going to come in and, and, and fit in straight away. Um but yeah, I mean, Mike, did you have any any anything yeah. else to add to that? Oh, listen, Tom, I could pick your brain on that. Man. I, I promise <laughs> I won't, but I, I really could. So, listen, you know, we, talk, we talked about McAllister a fair bit, but I, I do want to just touch on one or two of your other players because when I look at Bryson, I don't. You can cast your mind. I, I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to press it. I'm going to say you're probably similar age to myself. So, if you cast your mind back when Southampton first came up, right? And you had that front lot of you had Lalani, you had Lambert, you had Luke Shaw coming through, you had you know Van Dyke not long after. You had this really young, exciting team that had an incredible recruitment strategy, right? Now a lot of people looked at that team and they went, phenomenal recruitment strategy, but it's not sustainable, right? And then we've over the years they just slowly deteriorated, so on and so forth, went away. There have been other teams that have came through and had similar sort of momentum, and then they faltered. What stands Brighton apart from that? I love that comparison. I, I love it because I just eat it up every time. I Listen, it was easy bait for you. Go on. Southampton <laughs> was actually a massive case study for Brighton for when Tony Bloom came in. They, they, look, our, our owner, Tony Bloom, is Brighton through and through and is someone that his family have been involved with for generations. Okay, I think for as long as the, the club have been about since 1901, there's always been a Bloom family member on the board. With Bloom, he's invested in the stadium. He's invested in our new training centre. And the main thing he always wanted was to be, you know, almost self-sustainable, bringing young products rather than relying on the transfer market uh, as much as most teams do. Southampton was a fantastic case study for that. They had a great recruitment team at the time, a really good chief scout and a really good scouting network. And once they left, it all fell apart. And you could really see that going forward since... I would say a year or two after they got Europe. 
yeah. the last time anyway, the last season they were in Europe, you started yeah. to see signs of them deteriorating. They weren't replacing like for like or certainly improvement. They were stagnating mm-hmm. um, for a fair bit. We're not like that because we have plans A, B, C, D, E, F, G for every single scenario you could imagine. We saw that with Barber when Barber had that interview when Potter left for Chelsea. And he's admitted that there's already a plan in place if the hypothetical of the Zerbi leaving, because they didn't want to make sure they want, they really wanted to make sure that no one is bigger than the club. So that's taking apart every single minute thing within the club. The recruiting is phenomenal. When Bloom bought us back in League One, we had three scouts to our name, just three. As most like most League One clubs do. Now we have hundreds scattered across the continent, um, right. across the, across the world, even that don't necessarily go to matches and find someone they like. They get instructed: we need this player, we need that player, we need this kind of position or role. What have you got for us? That's how the mechanism works, and that's something that has stayed put. Look, look what's happened with um, what's his name? Um, the guy that's uh, Ashworth, who's gone to Newcastle. Oh, he, was yeah. our te- he was our technical manager. And he, when he was gone, like, you know, Newcastle got a fantastic sign. That's probably their best signing since, since their takeover, really, in Dan Ashworth. He's responsible for so much in the FA. He's responsible for so much with the Albion in terms of what we needed to do to get from, you know, from A to B and to where we are now. But the handover that Gordon Greer's been given now, it's been so smooth. And that's I something think- that's, Okay, Tom, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. Sorry, the reason I'm going to cut you off because I know where you're going with it and I agree. I think, Jesus, it sounds like a Liverpool fan being high in my ear, doesn't it? Really, I really fit the, the whole thing like as if I know everything. I really don't. I, listen, I agree with you. I do think you are different to Southampton. I think your recruitment strategy is second and none. And honest to God, I think you played the best football in the Premier season. Not the second, not the third best. I thought you played the best football, specifically after you got the new manager in. Um I think my worry from the outside looking in, and it is the outside looking in, no one knows your club better than you, right? Is, although it is sustainable to a point, all it takes is one, ba- one bad window, one bad, one, one bad year, and all the hard work goes. So let's say, hi- hypothetical, that isn't going to happen, but hypothetically, let's say this summer you, you, you lose, you've lost McAllister, most likely, you lose Caicedo, let's say you lose Matoma, right? Matoma was one that enough people talk about for me. I think Matoma was one of, is one of the better forwards this season. I think he's exciting. I love his story in general. I do think he's got a very high ceiling. And I do think if he has another good season, he might be the next one out the door, right? So you then go, oh, well, it's fine. We have, uh, we've got Evan Ferguson. We've got Incencio. Uh, you've got the number 10 that I can't pronounce the name of. Uh, very long, but you know who I'm on about, right? <laughs> so you've got all these phenomenal players that come through. But then that's a lot of pressure to put on a teenager. It's a lot of pressure. Now, I believe Evan Ferguson can handle it. I believe Incencio's shown that he can handle it. But Try and pronounce his name. Go on, I dare you. I'm not. I'm not even going to try it. What's you think the, I'm going to do that? I'm, I'm, what? <laughs> I feel like Paul Merson. I feel like you ever seen that video of Paul Merson trying to say Mkhitaryan. That's how I feel. That's, <laughs> I don't have it in my locker. But you look at those players and I think, I've seen it in the past, I'm sure Ben has as well, where a team relies a bit too much on youth and it it can only last so long before either the young lads run out of legs, run out of confidence, and it all come fall apart very quickly. Are you not worried about that at all? It depends what you consider failure, though. I suppose at that point. Yeah, I think that I think that's the key thing. What 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 is failure? You know, we we've always aspired to be a top ten club, and I don't think that's changed necessarily mm. because we know 
we know the stakes of what's going to be next season. I've got no doubt that Pochettino is going to blitz through it with Chelsea. And I've got no doubt that Aston Villa are going to be pulling the strings again under Unai Emery. So there's going to be, it's going to be, I think next season is going to be a lot tougher for us. Deserby's made it very clear that we're not ready for three games a week. He, he made that very clear towards the end of the season when, you know, when we got absolutely smashed by Everton, which to this day, I'm, 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 I'm forever going to work that out and I'm, I'll never get understand my best that. Mate, my best mate's never told you, right? And I was watching that game and I was like, he genuinely might be like releasing in his pants at this point. I don't think, I don't think there's any other <laughs> way to describe it. I, if you had told me that this season we'd get smashed by you 3-0 and they'd beat you 6-1 or whatever, I'd throw, throw the hat in. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't quite I'm fuming. believe it. They, they beat us on aggregate as well. I'm fuming at that. <laughs> Look, You're worried about the aggregate? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the bit that really annoyed me when my mate said it. Look, it's it's so easy to go down that route of we're over-reliant on youth. And, you know, you talked about Matoma there. And again, I love this because no one really knows the players that we've got out on loan at the moment. And Simon Adingra is someone that has done absolute bits in the Belgian Pro League. You know, he's got 30 goal involvements this season, goals and assists this season. He was so instrumental for them in their championship push and again they just missed out on the last game of the season in like the most agonizing way possible it was it was just uh, the scenes for it's just ridiculous you writers couldn't write that mm. and that's someone that we're really excited to bring in he's definitely gonna be someone who's going to give competition for matoma and i think at times matoma was quite tied towards the end of the season mm. and he gets battled out more by fullbacks than you know your typical win backs that you now see in the Premier League when Serge Aurier was at, at the city ground had him in his back pocket um Aaron Wan-Bissaka had him in his back pocket in both matches even the one that we won when McAllister scored that last minute penalty which is just what justice for every single what? Fergie time moment I've what ever had to moment. watch on telly so that was mm. just that that was just oh it was poetry and that by the way just to let you know we kind of knew that we were more than likely I think at this point yeah. people were like sort of 70% sure he was going to come in so we to see him do that and then do that to the crowd oh, I just from that moment I think that was the moment where he's just like yeah this guy's the one for me like you do that against United you're welcome to join Liverpool for me <laughs> absolutely and look, look and you look at the guy's celebrations he's passionate he got his heart on his sleeve he will he will give you everything on the pitch and if he celebrates he'll celebrate like a fan so and i think that's also something that's going to win the hearts of the cop as well he's he's going to be a guy when you walk when you see him play and how he acts mm. and react how he acts and reacts you're just going to be like he gets it he gets the club he gets it all he's going to mm. he he, he will be respected very, very quickly. And I'm very, I'm, I'm looking forward to the really creative chant you, that you're going to get for him. <laughs> I'm sure. We've already got one for one McAllister from a, a few years ago. So I'm sure we'll think of another one. Um, <laughs> Tom, just before I let you go, mate, because you, you're going to, um, sorry, me and Mike are going to talk about Liverpool for another 20, 25 minutes. I don't want to keep you around for all of that. Uh, but just before you go, obviously we spoke a bit off here and um, we're both in the same European competition next season, which is mad. Um, nobody would have seen that come in. So just, yeah, just tell us what that means to you, Brighton fans, to to be in Europe. And is, is this your first time in a, in a European competition? Ever. Ever. Yeah. Okay, so Ever. there we go. So, yeah, what does that mean to you? And sort of what are your kind of hopes are you kind of saying yeah let's go for it are you being a bit more we're just happy to be here just tell us how it is amongst the Brighton fans at the minute mate 
I, th- I, th- I think when you ask any Brighton, I think if you told Brighton fans they're going to get Europa League this season, I think you, you, they'll be picturing you in a straight jacket. When when we went up, we thought, fantastic, we're going to get, you know, three years, four years max, and we're going to really enjoy it. And we might go down and we come back bigger and better. And every single season, we've either just stayed level pegging or we've just improved every single time. And the dream of and the talk of European football was a bit of a joke towards the start of the season. And then World Cup started, McAllister done well, Kaiseida was doing bits, and we were like, we've got we've got a team full of World Cup players here. And like influential World Cup players, not bench warmers, they're they're first teamers. This is insane. Then we saw the push in January and February, and we thought, here we go. We've got something going here. And when we look at some of the key moments, shall we say, involving um, VAR mm. that went against us, it kind of like thought this is criminal. But it, it, and we all thought, oh, this is such a Brighton way for it to finish. Like we're not, we're going to miss out on Europe because VAR didn't go our way. And you know, we had the Brighton Twitter going mad about the top six bias criteria. You know, the PMGOL doesn't want it, Web doesn't want it. Like people just venting out their anger over it when. It was confirmed we got Europe. I think when it was more or less there where we were thinking, yeah, we're getting Europe, we would have bitten your arm off for Conference League. When we drew against City, um, I haven't celebrated like that since we've gone up. And I don't think I ever will again because so many of our fans have still got up in our mindset about losing to nine-man Walsall at the Withdean or... (laughs) getting ponchos handed out because there's no roof at the Withdean ground. Wow. There's no, we we travelled to Hartlepool and back to see us lose like 3-0 away when we were winning League One. We, we had so many hilarious moments as a club. It's never been a dull day as a Brighton and Hove Albion fan. And I know that so many people say that about their respective club. But for me, it's, it, it's just magnified by what is happening here. It means so much to the fans. And I think you're going to see how truly it means because I don't think you're going to see, you know, 500, 1,000 fans travelling. You're going to see thousands of Brighton fans making the most out of the group stages in Europa League. The 1st of September is bookmarks for every single person because the moment that draws come out and the fixtures come out, we're, we're booking the day off just so that we could book <laughs> all the flights and accommodation. Like, we're, we're planning everything out. The well, fact that Brighton and are on a European tour... Crazy, isn't it? It, it hasn't settled in for me yet. I'm st- I'm still delirious from it. I was laughing. I like- you'll do well too, though. I think listen. I think we'll we'll probably end it on this shortly. But I will say I do think you'll do very well. And like although I was talking about your demise before, I'm actually very confident for you next season. I, I really do believe that. I think if you invest well, I do think you do need to invest. I do think you can't just rely on your recruitment of you know these players from left, right, and center. Although I'm sure I'm sure I'll be eating my words next year. But bringing the hood in from the, uh, Dortmund, I think is a great sign. I think he'll do very well for you. He's a, He's a player with Liverpool will be linked with plenty of times. I think one or two astute signings here and there. James I, Milner. I James Milner. Listen, Jay, you a lot of you'll see a lot of random slander about him on the timeline. Don't buy a word of it. He is genuinely nothing that Liverpool have achieved since Klopp came in would have happened without Milner. Agreed. Stand on Agreed. that. I believe that you've got a phenomenal leader. You've got someone who's still got a lot of quality in him. He knows. How, I tell you what. He knows how to time waste. But yeah, if you're one nil up or you're playing for a draw, there is no better player to bring on the pitch. You'll get a yellow card. I'll tell you this, by the way. Get ready. Get get used to this. Right. <laughs> if you're bringing them off the bench, Ben knows this. Every Liverpool fan knows this. No matter how long left, smashing someone. 
smashing someone, right? Straight he's getting a yellow point. card and then he's holding it in the corner, right? Two things are guaranteed, right? Don't know why he does it or how he does it because we could be winning 6 0 and he's going to get a yellow card and he's going to hold it. My personal favorite, by the way, just interrupted from the absolutely smash Neymar. That was one of my Oh, jeez. That was so funny. That was just so was just good. Like, nah, I don't care who you are. You're getting smashed. Absolutely yeah. battered him. Yeah, right. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Um, Tom, we're going to wrap up with you, mate. Uh, but just before you go, do you want to shout out where people can find your teams like Brighton? Yeah, um, if, if, guys, if you want to hear about me rambling on about the Albion next season, be sure to like and subscribe to Teams Like Brighton's podcast on YouTube or you can follow it on whatever you w- listen on on your podcast, Apple Music, Spotify, The Works. Um, and if you fancy just hearing me ramble on about the world of football and sports, um, at Tom J. Phillips underscore is my Twitter handle. Um, be sure to send me a DM or send me a chat what my thoughts are. More than happy to have a conversation. Absolutely. And in previous streams, I've briefly mentioned preview shows for next season, which are going to come to the channel. And Tom has agreed to be the uh, Brighton rep. So, you know, you will see uh, Tom on the channel at least two more times. Hopefully no more than that, because I don't want to play you in a cup again after my experience away at the Amex last season. But Tom, once again, mate, a massive thank you for coming on, providing such a great insight on the McAllister. And uh, yeah, we wish you all the best for the season, mate. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on and all the best. Uh, All the best, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, so that was that was brilliant, wasn't it? Just I, like I said before, um, I would not have I would have been able to give a very limited insight onto McAllister, but um, just getting somebody like Tom who's, you know, seen him, like I said before, grow from a boy into a top, you know, player is just it's far better, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I, he's fantastic then as well. I thought his insight was just second to none. It was also good to hear just some reassurances that how how good he was, <laughs> how good he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because um, you'll get you'll get agendas, won't you? People will start playing him down. That oh, we, we get it all the time in Liverpool. We sign a player, and then you get these people that say, "Oh, but I want this player." It's like you, know you can't like it. No, exactly. Uh, but guys, I did tweet out we are going to start talking about transfers, and there has been a significant amount of people just joined the stream, so I'm not gonna. Uh, um, delay any further. Let's get Let's straight go. into the rest of the news that came out today. I didn't want to bore Tom with this because he, he doesn't really want to. He doesn't care. Let's he doesn't talk care. about Kefram Taram and uh, players like that. But um, yeah, pretty much as soon as uh, the McAllister news came out, we had some more information from Fabricio and Paul Joyce. Um, wait, that's not the right one, even though his medical is tomorrow. Or However, look at his after, face. Apparently, what a beautiful man. So, yeah. Although Tom was saying that there are some clauses and stuff that, you know, may still have to be agreed. You don't book a medical in for somebody if you haven't agreed with those clauses yeah. and stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, this was from Fabricio straight after he did this. Here we go. Or a little bit later, actually. The release clause for Alexis McAllister is lower than the report 45 to 50 million. This is why Liverpool feel that they could be a bargain and uh, they want to get the document signed this week. Pretty much what we just seen. And then there was this one. After Alexis McAllister with medical book this week, Liverpool will focus on more targets to rebuild the midfield. Conversations took place with the agents of Manu Kone and Kefram Taram. Gabri Vega appreciated, but no bid or talks advancing yet. Step by step. And David Lynch says, Borussia Mönchengladbach's Manu Kone and Nisa's Kefram Taram are understood to feature on Liverpool's targets, with the contact already being made with the reps of both players. And... Mike, this is just, for me, amazing news because, again, we sort of 
we've heard Klopp for the last three, four, maybe not three, four months, but at least the last two months um, speak on business in the summer. You know, he's been asked about it all the time and he's always said, we will spend money in the summer, which it looks like we are going to. And then more recently, he's gone on to say, yeah, we want to do our business early. So when you see these, these, you know, very respected journalists, especially the ones for our club, David Lynch, you know, uh, Paul Joyce has said some sort of similar updates as well drop those names surely it is those names at this stage where we're thinking you know what maybe we could do something there yeah listen I'm, <clears throat> I think I speak for most Liverpool fans I'm incredibly excited by the players we're being linked with like incredibly excited I think they bring a profile that we haven't had at the club for a while or at least a profile that I'd say we're we're normally very low in quality you know low in that bracket of the idea of Taram, you know, he's just he, physically so imposing in midfield. I don't remember that other than Fabinho. How many times we had a midfielder above 6-1? I, I, I don't remember it. I know that sounds silly, but like, that just the thing, when was the last physically imposing centre mid that we had? I'm re- I like, I, I struggle. I, I go all the way back to like Sissoko. What was Emery? Emery, was he that big? And maybe Emery Chan. Maybe Emery Chan, 6-1. He might have been 6-1, 6-2. But the idea of a physically imposing midfielder other than Fabinho, you know, I think that's massive for us. Um, technically gifted, young, uh, you know, not that price should matter, but the fact that we're getting them, we could potentially get them for the price um, that we'd be looking at. You know, Taram's 45, 50. Um, yeah. Ah, yeah, Stefan. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah no, that's a good point. Stephane. He didn't make, a, didn't make an impact in the team, really, no. but yeah, we did. I saw him score a Wardy header against Barcelona at Wembley in a preseason friendly, but that was about yeah. it. What a moment. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so it's, I think it's it's exciting, is it not? You know, and I don't listen, I'll be honest, I don't know much about the uh, uh, Gabri uh, Viega, the guy that we've been linked with. I, I don't know much yeah. about him. I definitely know more about Kone than any of the other midfielders. Uh, but listen, if we can sign yeah. Kone and Taram, come on. What were you going to think about Kone? It was a bit weird for me because Paul Joyce didn't mention Kone. He, mm. The others did. But Paul Joyce, who is our god of transfer news, he mentioned Taram. He mentioned in fact. I don't want to. I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, he mentioned Taram. He mentioned Gravenberch, and he mentioned one more. But he did. I, he didn't mention Kone, which is interesting for me. I think it may have been Gabri Vega, um, mm. because you know we. Again, I'm not saying. Oh, if Paul Joyce doesn't say this player doesn't mean we won't sign him. But it's weird that he's going so heavy on Taram now. I think that's the second or third time he's mentioned him. Yep. And look. We all want three or four players. We all want more and more midfielders to come in. Lavia, Stefan says, yeah, he mentioned Lavia. That was it. Um, but do you honestly see us in your heart of hearts signing Kone and Taram? Both. I think when I look at, we look at the profiles of the players that were linked with again. So Gravenberg, right? So we use Gravenberg and Taram. I believe they're in the same list. I think if we're, look, we're looking at another eight to play on the left-hand side and we're looking at sixes, I think in the list of eights, for the left-hand side, Gravenberg and Trauma are in the same list because they're both such a similar profile. I don't think that's a coincidence. Both technically gifted, physically imposing, and they're progressors of the ball. They are it's, it's an identical profile with what maybe a year apart in age. So I think that isn't a surprise. I don't think that's that's surprising to me at all. I think when I look at the six, you know, you look at Kone, you look at Lafia. They're pro- they're the two names that we've heard the most. As I say, I don't know much about this Gabri fella. I don't know. I really don't know. So I don't know what list he'd be in. But I do believe that we have a list of sixes and a list of eights that we want. And I can see us signing one from each. Now, will it be Kone and Taram? I don't know. That would be my personal preference. 
I wouldn't mind, don't get me wrong, if we got Taram and Lafia or Lafia Gravenberg, you know, there's no bad combination of these four players. There really isn't. They're all top quality, top talented. You know, they'll adapt to our system well. They're all young. They're both, they're all, you know, don't have injury records that are, you know, terrifying. You know, they, they all fit the profile of what we need and we'd be able to get them all in some form of combination of the two for reasonable prices. And I think that's, you know, that, so I do think we'll sign two of those four players from, you know what I mean? Uh, do, you, do you believe we'll sign a six and an eight? Or what do you think? Yeah, I, I do believe we will, but uh, I just, I don't know. I just don't know if we'll sign Kylian Tarad. I just think there's something there for me where we won't sign them both. I think for, for a start, I think Taram's going to be very sort of, I think it's already been reported that one's going to be more complex yeah. to get him because that's going to be more of around the 50, 55 million mark you'd have thought. Kone mm. seems to be a bit of a bargain for whoever gets him. I know Chelsea are interested as well. There are a few clubs that are going to be in for him. So it's just weird to me that it's kind of thrown me a bit how everyone else mentioned Kone but Paul Joyce and Paul Joyce mentioned Taram and all the others did. So I think certainly there must be some sort of, you know, okay, yeah, let's try to get Taram now. And I think to be completely honest, he's probably the one that most most fans would probably lean towards if it was one or the other. But as why do you think that is? Prices, I, I'm not sure. I just think it's because of that whole right-hand side of midfield. And again, I've not watched many Lille games. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I, I watch Lille on my Saturdays. Um, mm. But from what I have seen of Taram, I've described him as a cheat code. He looks like mm. he can bring you that defensive work, which Henderson used to do at right centre mid. But also going forward, he's as good as anyone. So I just feel like for for for, our, for, for the way we play, um, you bring him in, you bring McAllister in. Yeah, we probably still need another DM, but is that going to give Fabinho some sort of a boost? I certainly think it would. You know, I'm not saying that Fabinho is going to be back to his normal self. I'm not saying we don't need a DM. But if McAllister and Taran were the two we signed, I think, listen, I think that's a brilliant start to the rebuild. And none of us know what's going to happen next. You know, there could be somebody secret that they've not announced yet, somebody that no journalist knows of, because that's usually what happens. Yeah, but that's, what, that's, why I don't think he, that's why I don't think he's mentioned Kony. Because I think when you look at the UK journalists, for the most part, when it comes to our signings, although maybe Fabrizio obviously will mention it every, like yeah. every several hours, um, you know, go get that engagement. But like it's you know you know what I mean. Like when it comes to Paul Joyce, when it comes to the our our ones, they don't mention it until it's days away. Paul Joyce wasn't yeah. talking about Alexis McAllister until it was, ahead, you know no, what I mean. After true. everyone, yeah, until everyone else had reported it, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's the same for Koenig. So there'll be embargoes that are put on these journalists. Don't talk about these. Talk about these. Don't talk about these. Talk about these. These are the kind of things that happen behind closed doors. I do think Kone, from what I've been reading, from what you know, from what we all hear in the zeitgeist, I think Kone and Taram are the two. Yeah, I, I think Latvia is a backup, and I think Gravenberg is might be more complex than people realize because you've got to learn him away from Bayern. I'm Munich. not mad at those. I'm not mad at those at all. No, those no, no neither. Gravenberg is is probably the one that I'd want the least, just because I don't think he's kicked on from what yeah. we thought he was going to be. He'd be the hardest but, work to adapt. He would be. Yeah, but Lavia, I apart from his assists against us in the final day of the season, I was massively <laughs> impressed with him. But guys, before we just wrap things up, um, I just need you guys to check out Born and Red's channel. There's 52 guys in here. Born and Red, uh, amazing channel, big friends of the Anfield Talk. And they're doing a show in just over an hour at nine o'clock. If you want to hear more Alexis McAllister chat uh, from people who are much more clever than myself, uh, make sure you check them out. Make sure you drop them a subscription, like the content. And um, yeah, um, Dory says, uh, Dream Summer, McAllister, Taram, 
Kone and Nassir van der Ven. I mean, that's a 10 out of 10 window, isn't it, Mike? I mean, that's a 20 out of 10 window. You're buying two centre-backs and three midfielders. Like, bro, brother, I have a dream, right? I have a dream of that, but I, I, I don't see it happening. <laughs> unless unless George has got some absolutely sensational jokes lined up and he's, you know... <sighs> Probably stand up Dave Chappelle over here. He's going to need to be together. Oh, my Chappelle. God. <laughs> okay. Um... Oh. Footy Boy says, I watched him yesterday versus Barca. He scored two goals. And I can tell you guys he was amazing and he's a similar player to Mac. I actually, from what, again, I, I'm not going to sit there and say I watched the Spanish league. But from what I've seen, from what I've read, from the clips I've seen of him, I feel like he's a bit of a Jude Bellingham sort of guy. That's that's the vibes I've been getting from him when I've watched him play. Describe sort that like more. A, yeah, from what I've seen, he looks like when he gets the ball, he's got that burst of pace to take it forward. He mm. will defend. He will get back. He'll cover ground. He work hard. He brings that attacking threat. I don't know. I just feel like from from the very I only watch Liverpool. Right? Liverpool is the only team I give a flying damn about. I don't care about anybody else. So I've watched him across ninety minutes. But again, when we are linked with players, I, I'm not lazy. I do like to go and look them up and see what they're about. So from what I have seen of him, he he seems to fit that sort of Jude Bellingham sort of style. I don't know if it's just me or if somebody else that knows about this player a lot more than me can expand on that. But from yeah, mm. the, the, they were the vibes I was getting. And I even put a tweet out in March where if we missed out on Jude Bellingham, I wouldn't be surprised if we went for this guy because he's got a low release clause. Um, you know, probably low wages, probably talking for his first Liverpool contract, 80 grand or something like that. Mm. Um, so it does make sense if they think he's good enough. You've got the lad from Leipzig as well. So the guy, the lad from Leipzig, and listen, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. Everyone knows who I'm Obviously. on about. Obviously. Thank you. I'm still not going to say it because you can say it better than me. But we know <laughs> who I'm on about, all right? Everyone yeah. in the chat knows who I'm on about. He seems to want to move. He seems he desperately seems to want to move to the Premier League from what I've read. And from his interview he gave recently, he definitely seems to be a fan of Liverpool. And then you kind of tie that in with the link that Carvalho has been linked with Leipzig. And it does mm. add more v- validity as to why we might be a bit more open to letting him go. Because I've seen it in the past with us, when we do a transfer, we let a player go to a club. And then about yeah. three days later to a week, we go and buy a player from that club. Jota <laughs> is a prime example of it. We let a young lad go. It's you know we let a young lad go in uh, in Hoover, and we ended up signing Jota within the next day. And if we announce a friendly with Leipzig as well for the summer, then we're cooking. Yeah, it, it looks like that could be something we we try and do in negotiation. It's not the first time we've done it. I can no. see if Carvalho, we rejected ten million for Carvalho. People got if people haven't seen that, we rejected the ten million ten million pound bid supposedly from Leipzig. We signed him for six. About Six that, yeah, eight. I think it was Six some sort of tribunal, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was a tribunal price. And I imagine we're probably going to be leaning to 15 if we can get it. So you think 15 mil off this lad's price tag, that then comes a bit of a 30, 30-ish mil for another player that can play in that final third? Yeah, and Fabrizio, yeah, whilst we've been on air, he has said that um, we have rejected a bid for him and Liverpool don't want to lose him on a permanent deal, but a buyback option could be a solution. So that is certainly one to keep an eye on. It seems like he's a player we don't want to let go permanently. But if the reports that he isn't in Klopp's plans, which is what we've been told over the last mm. week, are true, why would you, if that is a sort, if that is a player that we're after, why would you not try and use that as a bargaining chip? You know what I mean? So yeah. that is an interesting one, to be fair. And um, yeah, guys, keep getting your comments in. We are going to wrap things up now, but um, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe because, like I say, we're on the road to 2K. 
Um, you know, we hit a K recently and that is, you know, massive achievement for us. We've been working all season to get that milestone and we've got it now. So we're just trying to push things on. Um, not going to say too much for now, but we have got a new sponsor coming up very soon. We're just getting that over the line as well for the podcast. So good things are coming to the show, man. We're going to do preview shows. Tom's going to be back next season uh, to discuss Liverpool versus Brighton. Um, as well so I know a lot of you guys in the comments probably enjoyed Tom's segment and if you're just joining this now for the transfer talk go back to the start because Tom gathers an absolutely phenomenal insight to um, McAllister the player that we are getting the person that he is and even some sort of clauses into the contract which uh, some people might not be aware of so Guys, thank you for tuning in. If you made it to this part, we really, really appreciate it. You know, the support that you guys give us on YouTube, on Twitter, it never goes unnoticed. We see we see you guys all the time. So, um, yeah, make sure you've got your notifications on for more streams for when we sign more players. And uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Take care and goodbye. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.